Welcome to the geek to geek podcast where Team Cap is the obvious choice. I'm Void and I'm here with my co-host Beige. And I was Team Iron Man and then I'm Team Cap now because he's better. Oh, I didn't know you switched. Anyway, we're talking about Captain America Civil War and I'm so glad you've switched. That's good. I thought it was obvious beforehand, but apparently not. Anyway, we are talking about Captain America Civil War. Um, It came out last week. We will do spoilers, but we're not there yet. Um, We'll let you know before we get to spoilers. I actually want to talk about spoilers in a tangent before we even get to the main topic here. If you're on the fence, like, okay, so spoilers for a movie like this. If you know you're going to see it and you haven't seen it yet, don't listen to a spoiler cast like this. But if you're on the fence and you think I might see it, I might not. I a lot of the time when I'm in that position, I actually listen to spoiler podcasts or read spoiler articles and it steers me one way or another. Yeah, Have you ever done that? That makes before? sense. Yes, absolutely. I haven't listened to particularly uh, spoiler casts, but I read things about them online to know whether or not it's going to be worth my time. For one of the podcasts I listen to is Still Untitled, The Adam Savage Project, which is an amazing podcast. It's great. And from that, I got the book The Martian, um, the book Seven mm. Eves, and that's actually where I heard the most about Hamilton that got me to check it out. So those are okay. three things that I would not have checked out if I didn't listen to a spoiler cast that like spoiled the whole thing. To continue on a tangent, I have to ask, did you like Seven Eves? Um, I did. There are parts where it's slower than others, but overall, it's worthwhile. I liked it. Okay, yes, I loved it. So I was the same way with you, but I wanted I just wanted to see you. The only other person I know who's read that. So I'm like, please, please, please tell me. <laughs> So again, before we get to spoilers here, um, I think it's also interesting that they've moved away from numbering things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I don't know if you've noticed this, but like yes. the Iron Man series, there's Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, everything else, they've done like the name of it and then some kind of subtitle. So, you know, Thor, the second Thor was Dark World. It wasn't uh-huh. Thor 2. Same thing with Avengers. You know, there was Avengers and then Avengers Age of Ultron and now Captain America. We're seeing the same trend which is there was Captain America and then I actually don't remember. Did the first one have a subtitle? I know the second one uh, was the Winter first Soldier. Avenger. Yeah. So there was the first Avenger and then the Winter Soldier and now Civil War. And I, I like that they don't number them. And I think it goes along with the that they're actually building a universe rather than trying to have a single series. Because one of the big issues with Iron Man 3 that I heard from people was that if they only watched Iron Man 1, 2, and 3, then number 3 didn't necessarily make a lot of sense. Because Iron Man 3 wasn't a sequel to Iron Man 2. Iron Man 3 was a sequel to The Avengers. Right. It's kind of more like in-universe and where it fits. It's not so much straight up sequential because if you would just you're right if you just watched the iron man movies you would feel like you were missing a giant chunk between two and three like what i don't get what's going on here and there is because it's that that they're building up the universe rather than individual series like that and civil war is the same way civil war does take everything into account and it's no spoilers although yet. It, no spoilers I, yet it's wait 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 before we do that last thing before we get into spoilery thoughts did you like it yes or no can we convince anyone? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I thought it was really good. Um, I read a bunch of reviews afterwards, and a lot of reviewers think it's like the best thing the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has done. I'm not that <clears throat> excited about it, but it's a really, really good movie. And if you've liked yes. the MCU, you will like this. Like, it's it's very well done. It's worth checking out. I can see why reviewers would say that. I think it's my it's my personality is the reason I think that it's not. It's so much more intense than a lot of the other ones. It's so much it's not it's more serious in tone than a lot of them. 
and I prefer the fun, quirky MCU stuff to it, which is why I think some of the other ones may be better, like the Avengers. I still think the Avengers may be the best one in the entire series. The Avengers is really solid, yeah. Yeah, it's a solid movie. It doesn't take itself seriously, and it does everything so well that I'm just not sure if Civil War... It's, it is it is grittier. It's probably the grittiest of the of the MCU movies, and I think that the tone of most reviewers... I could see that being one of the reasons why they like it better than others. Yeah. Okay. So we're definitely getting into spoilers from here on out. So if you haven't watched the movie and you know you're going to watch the movie, pause, come back later. We will still be here on your podcast listening device. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Spoilers! Well said. (laughs) So it is grittier. I mean, it's not, it wasn't like light and comic booky. Yeah. Um, even though it was comic booky, I mean, there's a lot of crossovers. There's a lot of like team fights and heroes fighting each other. And it's a good movie, but it felt the most like intense out of all of them. There was this kind of like for the first viewing anyway, I felt like a tension throughout the whole thing. You know, I'm sure if I yes. went back and watched it a second time, I could enjoy it more because I know what's going to happen. Yeah, that was what we were talking about. We were about halfway through the movie and my wife and I just kind of looked at each other like we're going to have to see this again. And it was because we were sitting there just anxiously waiting everything that was going to happen that we thought that we would enjoy the movie more a second time. And we haven't seen it a second time yet, but we thought we would enjoy it more a second time because we weren't having to wait just to see what happened, that we were going to be able to pay more attention to how it was put together and how everything was working. Yeah, and you know, part of it might have also been my mind was working the whole time on how are they going to bring all of these characters and all of these threads together in a way that's yeah. coherent, and they do, which is super impressive. You know, the fact that not only did they bring in basically every hero they've introduced in like the the movies so far, um, except Thor and Hulk are missing because it's not an Avengers movie, but all of the other heroes they bring in, and then they also managed to introduce Black Panther and Spider Man. And all of that happens in two and a half hours, and none of it feels wasted. Like, it's amazing. And if ever they, the directors on this one knew exactly what they were doing. And I don't exactly know what was so much so different on this one than, say, Age of Ultron. But this one, well, actually, I do. I know exactly what the difference was and why everything doesn't feel shoehorned. It's because they're not having to set up for anything. They're responding to things in this one without necessarily having to set up for an entire other universe that this one doesn't necessarily set up for Infinity War. There are a couple of moments that do, but not necessarily like Age of Ultron was having to basically put out things for Civil War, having to put out for Thor Ragnarok, having to get rid of Hulk. It had so many things that were going on, setting up just characters, introducing characters, taking them away, splitting everybody up, creating infighting, that the narrative suffered for it. And this one is continuing the Winter Soldier storyline because it's not one of the cornerstone uh movies like the Avengers that it didn't ever feel like it was overwhelmed by what it had to do that it could actually be its own thing here with by bringing in Spider-Man and Black Panther just like okay here are some more people you need to know and they were important to this story as well I think it's interesting that it's it's definitely not an Avengers movie but it actually didn't feel like a Captain America movie to me either it felt like something different and I I know it kind of carries over from like the Winter Soldier story and there's a couple characters that are like in the Captain America movies that aren't really in the other movies and those threads are there in the movie but it doesn't feel like 
they're part of the movie enough to actually hang the Captain America name on it. I'm kind of surprised that they named it Captain America Civil War instead of like Marvel Civil War or something else. You know, I I can see why they didn't say Avengers Civil War because it's not a straight up Avengers movie. Avengers are kind of like they're dealing with these world spanning consequences and conflicts and aliens and things that might destroy the world like Ultron. Um, And this doesn't handle that. But it also it's not all about cap it's not about captain america did you get that vibe too i got that it didn't feel like one of the other captain america movies and that but we went and watched the winter soldier uh night before last and it is it still feels more like a captain america movie than anything else because of the way that it continues on with those stories by focusing on cap to me the narrative by having him be the one and that's the reason i'm team cap too is because he he's the one who we're supposed to not idealize with, but identify with. And he is the, he's the emotional center of the movie, which is, I think what makes it a Captain America movie, even over Iron Man and any of the other characters that I think is a Captain America movie because we're still getting things from his perspective more than anything else. I'm okay with it not being feeling quite like a, one of the other Captain America movies or the Avengers, because I think that means that Avengers or infinity war is going to feel completely different as well, that it's not going to feel like an Avengers movie, that it's not going to feel like a guardian of the galaxy movie that the russo brothers know how to make a unique movie that stands on its own doing its own thing without having to rely too heavily on what came before and emulate it that it just builds on it so i'm actually way more excited for infinity war with these guys at the helm because this one didn't feel like any of the others than i was before going in Yeah, I I liked them at the helm of this movie, too. I know a lot of people felt this way about them as like directors or are they producers? I know that they're in charge of like this movie and they were in charge of um, Winter Soldier. And a lot lot of people were convinced after Winter Soldier and I wasn't. Um, I think Winter Soldier is a good movie, but I didn't love it. I didn't think it was fantastic. I just thought it was pretty good. Oh, see, I loved it. That's one of my favorites, actually. Yeah, I I think it's okay. I've only rewatched a couple times because it wasn't. I don't know. It didn't blow me away. I I thought it was pretty good. And that's that's about it. Like, it's not bad, but it's not great. And after seeing what they did with Civil War, I'm all on board. Yeah, go ahead. Give these guys more Marvel properties. They know what they're doing. They're obviously good at it. Um, and I, I like what they ended up with here. Yeah, absolutely. Their their end product is very much one of the highest quality Marvel movies that's out there after being I liked Ant-Man. And it was fun, but I haven't gone back and rewatched it. The last co- and Age of Ultron, I just don't really like. It makes me sad to say that I've rewatched it. It's a good movie. There's nothing really great about it in my mind. So the last couple of Marvel movies that I've seen, I'm just like, okay, these are fine. You know, maybe we're hitting comic book saturation. Then I see Civil War, and I get full on excited for the rest of them. Now I'm I'm all in because of how well they did with these. I liked Age of Ultron like a lot. I thought that was a really, really good movie. And I know a lot of other people don't feel that way. But I, I liked how it started to play up like the uh, the drama within the team and kind of like yeah. inner team bickering and fighting and like, you know, disagreeing with each other. And it feels like that naturally leads into this movie, which is kind of like an on ramp to what Civil War ends up being. And yeah, I like that Civil War. I mean, It's hard to know if you hadn't seen any of the others, if you would still get a lot out of this movie. But I like how it basically pulled in every other Marvel movie and every other character managed to make it into this one. They just dump you into it. Like, keep up. 
you know it's your job to keep up now like there's a lot of other movies out there we're not going to take time to explain who everyone is and what everyone's powers are and all of that kind of stuff even with the new characters, that that was one thing I thought was really interesting that, that I know we're going to get to in a little bit. But you're talking about here, Keep Up was something that they did with Spider-Man and Black Panther when they brought in. We actually have no idea what happened to either of them and what necessarily their power sets really are. But we are aware of what they do well enough that it is within the frame of this narrative and that we're we're OK with that. We know and ev- that everything fits in. We don't have to have an origin story for them or an explanation because we see it. They show us what they can do rather than having to tell us through an origin story. And I thought that was really, really well done because this movie does, like you said, just kind of drop you in and say, hey, here's some stuff that's going on. Although I still think it would be fine as a standalone, even though you technically are required to know everything else about the MCU beforehand. I think if you go in and don't know anything at all, the characters are well written enough and the interactions are well done enough that you could probably watch this without a se- having seen any of the others and at least understand why these people are mad at each other. Yeah, I don't think you would get as much depth and as much of the intricacies. Um, you, right. Because you wouldn't have the attachment like we do to all the characters. But I think you're right. I think that it did a, enough of a good job that you would be able to tell what's going on at the very least. And that was my big problem with Age of Ultron, that it didn't ever feel like I earned any of the conflict and drama and and really, I don't, I don't even know the word that I'm looking for here. The narrative and everything, that the, the infighting that was building up was there, but I never felt it in Age of Ultron. I never sat in my seat, leaned forward tense because I was afraid of Captain America throat-punching Tony Stark. I was, I was never afraid of Ultron killing any of these people, but I look at this movie and I'm legitimately afraid that Captain America might accidentally kill Iron Man, that I'm legitimately afraid of Captain America getting shot at the end of this movie and I really felt it in this one and it was something in Age of Ultron that I'm sad that Whedon didn't make me feel because usually he makes me feel a lot yeah I guess the stakes felt higher is kind of what you're saying yeah it felt like the stakes felt higher the stakes felt more personal I guess because Ultron was so so world spanning like you said they're the ones that affect everything that this one wasn't so much a that the stakes weren't higher the stakes were just these are my friends and I don't like them doing this. It's like when you're watching two of your best friends fight and you don't know, you know, come on guys, stop fighting. It doesn't matter if we're eating Taco Bell or Wendy's. It's, it's, I get more upset about fast food fights like that, and which restaurant to go to than I do, if, you know, big fights like, you know, Ultron, because I deal with Ultron on a daily basis. Obviously. Yeah. No, I, I know what you're saying though. It's, it's more personal of consequences and it felt like, something bad could legitimately happen to one of our heroes in this movie. Yeah. Um, I know we talked about it beforehand, and my thought was that they might actually have somebody die in this movie, and I I'd predicted that it would either be Hawkeye or War Machine, because I felt like those were the two that were most disposable at this point. Uh-huh. And nobody died in this movie but war machine got paralyzed so i guess i was i was on with like which hero i thought things would happen to i was just wrong about what would happen i i really think they're gonna kill off heroes when it comes to infinity war i bet we're gonna have a very very different looking avengers team by the end of the two infinity war movies but i guess they didn't want to do that during this infighting of civil war i could definitely see the end of the first infinity war being them killing vision 
because I think what led up to Infinity War in this one was the Scarlet Witch changing his gem. That when she pushed him through the floor, she had changed his gem into a red color for a while. And then after that, she uh, he started making decisions differently and started looking at things rather than being his uh, knight in shining armor, lawful good vision. He started making a bad choice, which I think that means that leads into Infinity War with the gem getting changed. I think at the end of Infinity War 1, Thanos is going to kill Vision, take his Infinity Stone, and that's how he's going to finish the gauntlet at the end of 1. I think Vision's going to be the one to die, or at least one of the ones to die. I, that's interesting. I didn't notice any of that with the gem, but I don't actually have like the comic book um, knowledge of what the Infinity War is. I mean, I know it has to deal with the the gems and it has to deal with like an Infinity Gauntlet and Thanos. Right. And that's the extent of my knowledge. I didn't see the Vision's gem change. That's really that's actually really interesting to me. It it doesn't change permanently when she's pushing him as you see it again. And, and, and it may be when it's on Blu-ray. Pay attention to when she's pushing him uh, into the floor and she's using, trying to escape, basically, that she uses her powers and it starts out by wrapping around the gem in his forehead that gives him life and power and all of this. And uh, it turns red and then it expands out all over his body. And then uh, everything goes back to normal when you see him again. But that's when his personality has changed. That's when he starts switching sides. And he tells, I think it was Tony, he was like, I don't know what happened. I, I've i never made a mistake like this before. I've never looked at things this way before. And I'm like, Scarlet Witch did something. They brought in her probability powers or something with this to alter it, which I feel leads directly into uh, directly into Infinity War. That's really cool. The way that's going to do. That, that'll that be something to keep an eye on in the ones going forward. Um, yeah. It's for real, just tiny things like that yeah. that I could see the Russo brothers dealing with way, way uh, down the line that they're building in. So as far as big things, um, I know you already mentioned it a little bit, but I want to go back to it. Spider-Man right. and Black okay. Panther got introduced. And oh, yeah. I, I was very apprehensive about Spider-Man, and I knew nothing about Black Panther before watching this movie. Um, Spider-Man... Right. Like he's been on screen as two different actors now and neither of them seem to nail it. You know, they were acceptable kind of, but they're not really movies you want to go back and watch, you know? Right. And okay. Black Panther, I, I knew he was a superhero and that was about it. I mean, like he's he's been in a couple of the crossovers that I read, so I know that he's from Wakanda, right? Mm -hmm. And He's also the king of Wakanda, and they have yeah. vibranium, which is the same like super strong material that Cap's shield is made out of. And I guess, yep. I guess his power set is he's fast, and he has a suit that's made out of vibranium. Is that kind of it, or is he also like a super soldier, superhuman? I don't know. I guess I didn't get that part. I don't part. actually know. Jennifer was asking me this, and I know so little about Black Panther that you and I are right on the same page on him, that I know roughly nothing about him. I've seen Ultimate Avengers 2, um, and I don't know if he has super strength or speed or anything, but he has to be enhanced in some way. He outran cars. I mean, there has to be something going on there. The Black Panther mantle has to be something going on other than just a suit and a protector thing, uh, protector identity. Um Right. But I loved him. I loved what they did with him in this. I am fully invested in a Black Panther movie now that I've seen how they're going to be able to handle it. Like, he was fantastic. The actor was awesome. The The suit was awesome. The fight scenes were great. And he didn't look ridiculous, which it's very easy to make a character who has claws fighting like a kitty cat look ridiculous. And he's terrifying. 
Yeah, I'm on board now. Like, I, I didn't know anything about him before watching this movie. And now I I want a standalone movie. Like, I want to know yes. more, more about this character. I want to know more about how he fits into the political landscape and his powers and what his deal is and more about his country. Because now the Avengers are stationed there at the end of the movie, um, except mm-hmm. for Tony. And yeah, I'm just I'm interested. So I want a Black Panther movie. And I'm also very surprised that I want a Spider-Man movie with this Spider-Man because yeah. this Spider-Man fit in with all the other characters and he felt like that fun but still teenage Spider-Man. You know, he's he's the one who's cracking jokes and talking during a fight. And isn't it Falcon that's like, I don't know if you've been in a fight, but there's not normally this much talking. Yeah, it felt like Spider-Man. Yeah, it felt like Spider-Man. It didn't feel like Andrew Garfield playing Spider-Man because t- he, he he and and Jennifer and I were talking about this and one of the problems that we have with uh, both of the other movies is that I was a teenager I was uh, I think seventeen or eighteen when the first one came out and I think I was seventeen and so Tobey Maguire was Peter Parker he had this sweet Peter Parker thing going on he was likable but he never really got the snarky sarcasm one liners down no. that it never felt like he was biting with it. And then you have Andrew Garfield most recently in the Amazing Spider-Man movies, and he had the snarky wit, but I didn't like him. Like, as Peter, he wasn't sweet. He was kind of the this, this almost just jerk character, and I didn't enjoy... He was he didn't have that, that every, every person lovability that Peter Parker tended to. And when I see Tom Holland doing this, he's adorable. I, I want to pinch his cheeks, and I want to high-five him when he says this stuff. I mean, he didn't necessarily... I never saw him as an actor playing Peter Parker. When I watched him, I saw him as Peter Parker. I saw Spider-Man and... That is something that hasn't happened in the movies before that I see this guy just the same way that I would see an animated series or video game Spider-Man or a comic Spider-Man. It's like, oh, this guy's Peter Parker. Okay, he acts exactly like I would expect a 15 year old Spider-Man to act. And I felt that the the other two Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, they were actors in their 20s or later trying to play a teenager. And it feels like that the entire time, you know, like if if you can't. If you don't actually know what it's like to be an awkward teenager, you can't actually play an awkward teenager. And neither of them pulls off that part of Spider-Man. You know, they get other parts right. And the movies were fine to watch, you know, at the time. But I felt like this new Spider-Man, like, I I believed it. You know, he's an awkward teenager, but I believed it the entire time. Like, he knows how to play the character. And I didn't feel like he was acting. I didn't feel like I was watching an actor act like a teenager in that way. I just felt like yeah. he fit the role. He did. He was, I, I'm completely sold on a new movie and they didn't mention Uncle Ben dying. They also didn't mention his actual origin. He's like, some stuff happened and I liked that. That just seeing him be Spider-Man. Especially after our talk the other week about how much origins piss me off now. Like, I just, uh-huh. I hate how much time they have to waste on an origin story before they can get to the second or third movie where things become interesting. And it seems like, for both Black Panther and Spider-Man, they jumped right over that. They're like, and that's here's okay. the hero. Things happened. Here's the hero. You know, he's already Spider-Man. He's already Black Panther. Go with it. And I like and that. And that fits, 
And it fits so well with the universe that they've built that, okay, there are other people out in this world. That every time we're introduced to a person, it's not a chronological uh, a narrative of, okay, now this person gets powers, now this person gets powers, now this person gets powers. It's we see them simultaneously and we just jump in on their story having already done something. You know, Spider-Man in his in his hoodie and welding goggles where he, he's out swinging, catching cars, seems fantastically real realistic as much as realistic as you can get in a comic book movie but it's not a kid in his in his bedroom just because he's a scientist being able to build this fantastic suit and technology he was able to get some web shooters but that was it he had welding goggles and hoodies the rest of the time and it took Tony Stark to be able to get this real fantastic suit that I was really really happy about him not having his own suit that was one thing Jennifer and I had talked about was how nice it is not to know that he has to be a seamstress that or a, or a tailor I guess would be the better word that he doesn't have to be a tailor and know how to put together a superhero costume in his bedroom that looks you know military grade like like Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield did right and it, it seems like the um the after credits there were two during the credits right. like scenes the one that actually happens all the way after the credits is him as Peter Parker in his bedroom and he finds on one of his like new upgraded web shooters from Tony that there's like a little laser display that he shoots on the ceiling the implication there is that like Tony Stark just gave him a ton of ideas and blueprints and ways to improve the Spider-Man technology that's kind of what I got from it anyway I didn't exactly know what to gather from it that I got that that Tony upgraded him so much that there was just going to be a whole lot more uh, Iron Man tech coming in the Spider-Man movie where we might see iron spider just i didn't honestly know what to gather from that with uh but it was the old school spider-man symbol so i i i geeked out and fanboyed on it for just a minute uh yeah the way i took it was that tony um tony wanted to like it didn't seem like he revealed who spider-man was or who peter parker was even though he was on that side of the accords yeah um so it seems like he kind of sent him back to his home with the new suit he had hidden that little bit of technology and the implication that i got out of it was tony stark knows he's really smart and he's very capable so if he just gives him all of these ideas and blueprints and technology then peter parker can take it the rest of the way He'll go the rest of the way. That makes a lot of sense. I have to ask, you know, Spider-Man's been your thing lately. So I know that you've done the Spider-Verse and I'm getting into it myself. And Spider-Man was my longtime love. I mean, Spider-Man was one of my my favorite superheroes growing up. Still is. I still just nerd out on all of it. That was your reaction to seeing Spider-Man the first time just this immense, just like nerd squee? Because I sat in the theater and I know the people around me had to have been annoyed because of the grown man in front of them uh, or beside them or behind them clapping his hands going, Potterman, Potterman, Potterman out loud at like I'm like I'm an 11 year old because I was so happy. I... Did you have that just same sense of joy at seeing him that I did? No. Does that Aww. make you angry? It, okay. No, 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 no. I just, I, I loved him. Like, I was so excited to see this. Like, I, I just I just was wondering because that's been so much of what you've been doing lately. Here's the thing. It's no, but with a qualifier. The thing is, when he first appears as Spider-Man on screen, um, that was already in the trailers, and he showed up, yeah. and it's only like half a second. And 
you know, when he just lands and he grabs Cap's shield. And I felt like I didn't know enough about the character and how they were going to treat him to actually be excited because they've messed up Spider-Man so many times in the past that Uh. I didn't know how it would be. When we got about halfway through the fight, the big team fight with all the heroes in it at the airport, and I think when he had the exchange with Falcon, that's when I bought in. When he, you know, Falcon told him, like, we don't normally talk this much, and he's still talking. That's when I went, yeah, okay, they get it. They get Spider-Man. I like this Spider-Man. I can buy in now. Yeah, that's all. honestly the way that they did with Ant-Man as well. They let Falcon really bring him into the superhero world because Falcon is so grounded. Falcon's the one who really is that voice of the uh, audience that, that in so many movies that you have one character who says what we're thinking, that Falcon's really the one that they use as a gateway in because he's so nice, he's so likable, he's the one who is so down to earth, even with them, that he's just the one who's always there to help somebody. That They did that with the Ant-Man movie as well. So that that's a really interesting thing. That's where you bought in on Spider-Man was using Falcon as well. Well, it's they're doing that also with um, Hawkeye. If you hadn't noticed, he's he's also grounded and he's also like the most he's just a human who can shoot arrows really well. He has a family. You know, he wants to like retire from the superhero business. He's the one that they use to bring in um, Scarlet Witch, too. Yeah. So that's true. They're kind of using both of them as the more grounded heroes. I just, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm a big fan of these, these two new guys that that they brought in. I'm, I'm really, I hope they take those franchises and do really well with them. Did I remember wrong? Am I remembering wrong that there's going to be an animated Spider-Man movie, or did that get shelved? Because I knew I read about it, and I haven't read anything else about it. I think the Spider-Man property has been in flux so much because Marvel wanted it to get tied in with the Avengers, and yeah. Sony owns it. It's Sony, right, or is it Fox? It's one of That's the other. That's Sony. Sony. Sony Spider-Man. Fox is X-Men. That's right. So Sony owns it. So they had to partner with Disney to actually put Spider-Man into this movie so that Sony can go make their own standalone Spider-Man movie. And I hope they don't mess it up. I hope Disney has enough say to let them not mess it up finally. Um, yeah. So I'm not sure about the animated one, though. Did you see this in 3D? No. No, I don't see movies in 3D anymore. Okay. I, I got burned the- too many times. I just don't like 3D movies at all. I just refuse to see them now. The only reason that we did is because there is a Twilight matinee at our theater nearby, and it is significantly cheaper than going to see it any other time. So the only show at 4 o'clock in the afternoon for $6 tickets was 3D, so we took it. And uh, the very beginning fight scene was terrible. I know you and I had touched on it, you and I had talked about it, how the uh, very first fight scene with Crossbones, that there were so many shaky, jerky, hard-to-follow action. Uh, In 3D, it was an even bigger nightmare. That that was why we hated it. It was hard to follow follow what was going on and the 3d made it just just blurry and and a terrible mess but what made up for that was the spider-man fight that if you did want to see it in 3d it's worth it for the spider-man fight because i saw both of the amazing spider-man movies in 3d solely because they're spider-man movies there are very few movies i will go see in 3d just because they're in 3d but spider-man if it's shot well just looks fantastic in a 3d setting and they did a good job on this fight scene in 3d that that it still looks fantastic that way so okay i felt the same way about about those two fight scenes even seeing it in 2d like okay um I, I can see where 3d might add something to that second fight but the only real gripe i had with the whole movie was that first fight scene like the first yeah. set of fight scenes with who's the bad guy did you say crossbones crossbones okay do they actually say that in the movie because i had no idea 
I don't think so. Okay. I won't they only feel use then. his last name from the Winter Soldier. I can't remember what it even is. Yeah. Okay. So that fight scene is shot in a in a style and edited in a style where it's too close that you can't really tell what's going on. And there are so many cuts so quickly that you can't keep up with the action. And yeah. once you notice this style of filmmaking or fight scene shooting, you will start seeing it everywhere and it will start making you mad. <laughs> and <laughs> yes, I can't help but see it because like everyone knows by now, I, I worked in video for so long. Like I noticed when the editing is in a different style and, you know, they're they're editing on punches, like right when people are going to hit each other, like you can't actually follow through on the action. And if you want to see more of what I mean, there's um, a YouTube series called Every Frame of Painting, which touches on a bunch of different filmmaking techniques and kind of script writing techniques and actors and things like that. It's it's really, really well done. There's an Every Frame of Painting on Jackie Chan style fighting. It's kind of about um, how to do comedy action fighting, but it's also about the pacing of a fight and how if you pull back a little bit into a wider shot and you just let the wider shot sit and let the two people have a really well choreographed fight, it makes for a much, much better fight scene than if you're yes. way in close and you're cutting and you can't like see what's actually happening. So if you're interested, go check that out. It's really good. Every frame of painting, Jackie Chan. I watched I watched that episode immediately before recording this episode, actually, and it's a fantastic video. The Jackie Chan one is awesome, and I didn't know that editing trick. I didn't know the one that you start, that you don't show the actual hit, and when you flip, that you start, you have the recoil on the second shot from coming back from the same place that you had it prior to the hit, so it looks like the hit. They had a sound effect and cut back. It's really cool, and that's my biggest problem with that initial fight scene is not knowing this, being ignorant of the actual technical but, aspects but of it. But you still knew I something knew was wrong, right? Something was wrong with it. And for me, for Jennifer and me, it was that the stunt work was obvious. That obvious stunt work was obvious. The Black Widow ones especially, that that your video, the, the every frame of painting mentions it, that Jackie Chan knows how to fight. That he goes in, they can leave a, a wide-angle shot going on, and he knows how to do the fight, and it's going to happen, and they're all, you know, it's an actual fight that you're seeing. With stunt work like this, they have to cut away, and because the actors don't exactly, don't, obviously, I mean, they're not trained martial artists, so they can't do that, and so they cut like this, and it's jerky and hard to follow, and in this one, you could see the stunts. You could see the stunt work, because they, they, it's weird, because in the Winter Soldier, watching it immediately afterward, the stunt work was way better put together, that there weren't those obvious cuts and obvious, you know, stunt flips when you see a double in. It was now I'm you're right. I, you told me that when I watched that video, I was never going to be able to watch the fight scenes the same way again. And it's going to drive me mad now. So thank you. Like my students tell me, thank you for ruining literature for me, Beej. That's that's what I'm saying to you, Void. Thank you for ruining movie fight scenes for me. Yep. Yep, it's the same thing with Michael Bay. Go try watching a Michael Bay movie now that you've seen that. You can't unsee it. And this is it's something that's hard to talk about in podcast form. I will make sure there's a link in the show notes for you guys to go watch yep. this video because it, it will illustrate it better than we can with audio only. That's the same way. I, I did the same thing. I took a class on cult TV when I started my PhD that I didn't finish. Um 
and one of the things the professor did was show us chase scenes, and he showed us a Michael Bay chase scene, and he showed us a Joss Whedon chase scene, one from Transformers 2 and one from Serenity. While they're so similar in structure because they were trained by the same people, they were classmates, Michael Bay's is cut so much that you can't tell what's going on, that there's no technical uh, there's no technical expertise there, that, that you don't actually see the driving, you don't see the, the work put in, and that the Joss Whedon one is just smoother and more put together honestly like the Jackie Chan fight scenes because the people who are doing them knew what they were doing they were trained in that particular field yeah and like I said that's my only real gripe with the entire movie it's like that 10 minute first sequence of fights all of the other fights after that are done in a different style it didn't bug me especially the big airport fight I thought that was done very well and most of the other fights are either like one-on-one or 2v2 they're not these huge fights where they have a lot of characters moving around that you have to keep up with so they're done in a in a style where you can actually keep up with it so as far as (laughs) whatever the last time was when you asked me to nerd rage about something I'm not really (laughs) nerd raging here but it's my only complaint about that movie is the first like 10 minutes of fight scene the rest of the movie i loved so before we wrap up our main topic what did you think about the actual like final confrontation with iron man and cap i mean that's kind of what everything was leading up to in a way it it felt both incredibly tense and cathartic at the same time because that tension has been building over so many movies and watching it you could tell they cared about each other that i really liked that scene it was very visceral i felt the hits i and i felt the the banter back and forth the conversation there i i could i was there it wasn't that i was watching a movie it was i was invested in what happened next and i i loved it i thought that the final confrontation was was great and exactly what it needed to be for the way that everything had been set up I thought it was awesome, and it felt very earned. After all of these movies, after all of this conflict that they've been building up over the course of multiple movies, and then over the course of like the two and a half hours of this movie, it felt so earned to have those two heroes slugging it out, even though it's painful to watch because we like both of them. You know, we're we're so invested in both of these characters now. We don't want either one to lose. It's it's hard. And when I think back on that scene, the image that keeps popping into my head is when cap drives his shield into iron man's yep. chest and his um <laughs> his arc reactor is shorting out and he's standing over him with the shield still embedded in his chest like that is the image of the movie for me you know that that, that is exactly what i was going to say too that the best shot out of any of that was him slamming the shield into iron man's chest when he's on the ground that is that is the perfect shot for this movie and how you feel how it made me feel that it's it's brutal that that everything about that fight is brutal and you feel these guys being super powered and on both sides not pulling any punches but wanting to yep yeah exactly and you you can feel the respect between them even after cap has won and he's walking away mm-hmm. and tony says that the shield doesn't belong to him his father made it and cap leaves the shield on the ground you know it was like it, uh-uh. i know it's so hard to watch but it was so good and it was so well done and <laughs> the other thing about the shield i mean you notice that black panther scratched the shield right because uh-huh, his, he sure did his claws are made of vibranium the shield's made of vibranium nothing else has ever really scratched it like you can't just buff that out right uh-uh. i mean it's <laughs> it's like the strongest material in their fictional world you know like it's is that there to stay like the little scratch forever and ever i kind of hope so Oh, poor Scratch. And 
that that scene when you're saying that he walked away and he dropped the shield, I had the same feeling there that I had at the end of season five of Star Wars Clone Wars when Ahsoka and when Ahsoka spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert again. Forward fast fast forward 15, 30 seconds, um, when Ahsoka left the Jedi Order. That was how I felt at the end of that with hers, where I was sad, but I felt that everything was earned. Yes, exactly. That's a good way to put it. And I also think that because of that fight and the way it ended and the very end of the movie where Cap sends Tony the note and he gives him a phone, like they still yep. respect each other. And when they do kiss and make up, because we know they will, it's going to be a stronger team because of it. It will be. Absolutely. Awesome. I think that's about it for our main topic. Let's move on to our weekly geekery, uh, which if you don't know, that's where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. But actually, quick note before we dive into our individual weekly geekery. This last week, we were featured on the Burton and Scrooge podcast. Uh, Roger, who writes the Moderate Peril blog, or he used to before it's been temporarily shut down at the moment, and he runs Burton and Scrooge with Brian. They invited us over for a very like brand new version of the podcast called Burton and Scrooge Uncut, and it's up on their old podcast feed. But basically, they turned on the mic and they let it run for like an hour and a half, and we just talked to them, and it was a really good geeky conversation. I had fun. You had fun? It was super fun. So check us out there if you want more of just us talking about more random things, not as structured. Um, it was really, really good. And I hope they have us back someday because they are awesome. We will make sure there's a link in the show notes for that. Absolutely. It was super fun. We talked about everything from Overwatch to Lord of the Rings Online to, goodness gracious, everything else, uh, podcast networks and everything in the world. So, yeah, it was a, it was a ton of fun. Good people. Very good people. So Weekly Geekery. This week, I have Every Frame of Painting, which I already told you about. Hopefully, I convinced you to go check it out. The link is under my Weekly Geeker section in the show notes. The other thing that I have is an escape room. It's something that we've been wanting to do for a while, and we finally had enough people's schedules line up. Um, It was my wife's idea, which was awesome. And so we got her family, uh, her brothers and sisters and and their significant others and stuff, and eight of us tackled an escape room together. If you don't know what an escape room is, it's basically a room you go in to and you are quote unquote locked in the room for an hour you're not really locked (laughs) for safety reasons obviously but you have an hour in this room to solve the scenario which is basically a set of puzzles so the one we did was a starship and there was an alien somewhere on board we had to figure out how to find it and destroy it and power up the ship in an hour it was really cool. We ended up doing a, a an escape room for one of my friends, one of our friends, 30th birthdays uh, last year, or the year before. I can't remember. And it was awesome. We were stopping a nuclear holocaust from happening. Uh, we did not stop it. And uh, we were blown up and I died in a nuclear explosion. So but it was super fun. I want to do it again. Uh, we were we were a couple of minutes away from solving it. But it was just me, my wife and our friend. And then we were with strangers. If we had had a if we were in a pre-made like you guys, we'd have been fine. Yeah. And they seem to be set up for different groups of people, depending on what your local escape room is set up for. So the one we went yeah. into was six to ten people and we went in there with eight. So it ended up being a really good number. I think we were eight. It, it was really fun and we solved it and we had 10 minutes left on the clock and we asked the guy like how do we do like was it okay did we you know compare to other people and he said only about 25 percent of the group solve this scenario and 90 percent of those people who actually solve it have like under 10 or under five minutes left 
So he's like, oh, wow. you guys did really good. So that was that was nice to hear. That was a really fun experience. How about you? What do you got this week? Uh, this week, I've been watching a lot of New Girl. My weekly geekery is watching New Girl on Netflix. Um, for those of you who have never watched New Girl, I suggest you give it a shot. It's in season five now, might be on season six. Uh I, years ago, I got into sitcoms again because there actually started to be sitcoms worth watching again and picked up New Girl on Fox. The reason that I like it is because it started out as this kind of quirky, weird, we didn't know if we were going to like it sitcom, and I started liking the characters. Uh, and the more that I've watched it, the more that I've realized that these characters are just like real people in my life. That Austin, the guy I wrote my steampunk novel with, my buddy, uh, he's Nick, like down to a T. Like he is Nick on New Girl. And I am Schmidt. Uh, everyone at work even made me have a jar that I put dollars in whenever I say, whenever I start going off on food or saying something, uh, saying something really pretentious about food, nutrition, or something like that we all have a game going on uh but schmidt is just like me uh i say super weird things and so does he and uh used to be a fat guy who who lost weight and now cares way too much about things like that it's just a fantastic show uh give it a few episodes by the end of season one by the middle of season one it's fantastic and hilarious and that's what i've been doing to just my summer break started uh, last week, and my downtime has just been putting on New Girl and letting it run at night. It is, and just binging reruns and just laughing my head off. Definitely suggest give New Girl giving New Girl a shot. Um, and you know, just because we're geeks doesn't mean that we don't take care of ourselves. Each week, we want to help you by giving small hacks that we use ourselves to make our lives healthier and better. And this week, uh, my health hack for you guys is to change your clothes. Uh, that's right. Stop being stinky. No, more than that, I want to tell you to dress out. Whatever um, activity you do that you do to take to make your uh, life better, that dressing out actually makes it better. Um, it's a good way to motivate yourself and uh, get moving. That you, once you lace up your running shoes, you're much less likely to stop. You know, change your mind about going running. Putting on your basketball shorts is a much better way to make yourself ready to play basketball, uh, cycling, or even just walking. Putting on a soft pair of shoes instead of flip flops is a good way to make yourself uh, go walking. Having an, uh, an outfit for an activity that you wear when you do that activity alone, it energizes you and gets you out there. It's, it works for me whenever I don't want to run, whenever I don't want to go ride my bike. I'm just like, no, I'll go and I'll just put on exercise clothes and just the simple act of dressing the part makes me feel like okay I can do this I like these clothes these make me feel better uh, and they're comfortable so I'm going to go out and do what I do change your clothes don't go exercise in what you've worn all day go make the effort to change your clothes and it will motivate you into moving forward in what you're doing and doesn't matter what it is just make sure you have clothes for it that's awesome. I will second that. Yep. I, I noticed a change in kind of like my mental way of approaching running once I got certain clothes that I, I only use for running. So that's a really good tip. Cool. Uh, I think that'll about do it this week. You can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is always geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. I blog almost daily at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at GRN Mushroom, which is green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beej. That's Beej with two E's. And I blog sporadically and hopefully more often soon at geekfitness.net. 
We've been Void and Beige with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, geeks. Bye, geeks.